Welcome back to another episode of the Trekway with Mr. Gray and I. Um, we are going to be reviewing another episode of Star Trek Prodigy, this time season one, episode 13, season 1.5 as we unofficially call it, and this one's called All the World's a Stage. Um, Gray and I like this episode, um, we'll go into detail as to, as mm-hmm. to why... Um, do you want to leave your rating to the end, Gray, or do you want to give it just now? Um, up to you. I'll give it now. I I give it like a nine out of ten. Ooh. I really liked it a lot. Wow. I definitely liked it a lot. I thought it was very good. Up up and down. They really did a good job. Yes. Good writing. The music. Good. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it more. Well, music is yeah. We'll, later we'll talk about that, but that's always good. Yeah. But I just oh. thought it was really good. The writing was I thought was right on target. Good. So. Good. Wow. Okay. They um, consistently, they consistently put out a good product. They really do. I'm really been happy with that. But we'll 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 talk more on that. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm surprised by that. Not because you thought it was good, just because you gave it such a. I think that's the highest score you've gave any episode of Trek since we've started doing this. Granted, a lot of it was Lord X, but. Um, yeah, no, Lord X. I gave a ten. I gave a ten to oh, one. Oh, for DS Nine. DS9, yeah. <clears throat> so you did, yeah, yeah. That's the gold standard by what they should live up to at Lower Decks. And then you brought it will down. or not. You brought it down in that, uh, over, on an right average down just the because. After that. <laughs> <laughs> so the average of the show is like a six or something or seven at top. Seven at best, it. yeah. yeah. Um, I gave it a eight out of ten just because um, to reach the high end is very, very difficult for, for anyone to achieve in my eyes. It's not a insult it's just um they've done a great job um there's a couple of yeah. things they can improve on which there's we'll nothing wrong with us. an eight there's nothing wrong with a seven when you start getting to six it's kind of seven above's good yep definitely um but we're tough customers here um and quite mm-hmm. right um right okay we'll kick off great uh this in this episode we actually um open uh on the uss Dauntless, now that I've 100% found out what the name was, they literally took the name from that ship in the Voyager episode where that dodgy alien geezer came along and tried to get them all assimilated with these tricks and shenanigans. So I found it ironic that probably, I think, Belana Torres has came back and started trying to put slipstream technology in at least one starship, the Dauntless, and they've used the same name that nearly got them all assimilated. So that was that was a low moment. Um, we'll get into that in another video. We could talk about the Dauntless yeah. and other things because uh, I've got things to say about that. Uh, so yeah, um, we we open on the USS Dauntless with the the Diviner. He's he's kind of coming to saying some things. Not hundred percent sure of what's going on. He remembers some of what's happened previously. Um, and some of the scenes we do see where the 
Ducote was taken prisoner. Um, hence why we don't see him yet at this point. Uh, but he's starting to see things. He sees the comm badge of the officers. That gives him kind of negative flashbacks. Um, and he's kind of freaking out a little bit. So the doctor, who Gray and I are not a massive fan of, <clears throat> basically comes along and puts him out again. Um, and then Janeway, real Janeway, Vice Admiral Janeway, then says it's no longer a rescue mission. It's a manhunt because of the things that Diviner's saying. Um Gray, you've got a, <clears throat> excuse me, something in my throat here. You've got something you added on here that you wanted to mention as well. Um, we, we kind of started to mention it, but I thought that the writing was really good on Prodigy. The only, and, but I'm prefacing that by saying that I know it sometimes has to be a bit simplistic uh, because after all, it is a kids slash young adults show. Yeah. So some of this simplicity, you know, ends up coming out in the episode, which annoys me but i get it i kind of let it slide a little because I, I get it um i did like the twist that the diviner doesn't realize who he is uh entirely and all these bits in his mind are coming together because at mm -hmm. first when he mentioned about chakoti being uh taken prisoner i thought he was conveniently lying to start laying yeah. some seeds and yeah. and and he still could be for all we know but it didn't sound like it because when he started having the flashbacks then i started realizing that he his his marbles really are kind of scrambled, um, which I think is good because it it doesn't allow him to be his full mean self, if that makes yeah, any yeah, sense. Yeah, that does. And they got to kind of they got to kind of figure out stuff as they go along. Uh, I did note it's a small note that the doctor on the Dauntless finally he was acting a little more like a doctor instead of a, uh, an arrogant sob like he was on the last episode, <laughs> but you know just a little little something. Maybe yeah, they realized it when they wrote the episode. Um, I think it would have worked either way, Gray. If, like the story is at the moment, that that he's the diviner is not remembering everything. He's marbles are a little bit kind of screwed, which I, makes sense considering he was in found in death sure. doors basically. Um, or if he played the coy number and um, kind of just started playing into it slowly I'm, by releasing bits of information. Either either would have worked, so I'm not I'm happy with that. Yeah. I'm yeah. assuming that it is because he scrambled, because then yeah. there was the no reason to do flashbacks. Yeah, and it was you freaking know, out so. as well, so if he was freaking yeah, out so and got, yeah. he deserves an Oscar or something, then if that was the case and he's acting <laughs> within acting. Right. Um, but yeah, no, we like this so far, and yeah, the Doctor is acting more like a Doctor. Um, so maybe he just has... The bedside uh, manner of the Doctor from Voyager in the very very early seasons. Um, so yeah, always nice to see real Janeway again uh, and the Dauntless. Um, we then switch over to uh, Jankum, Jankum Pog, who's my favourite character in this. You may or may or may not uh, just because that's he's silly. Be, that's because you got to be a kid. That's what it is. I am a big kid. So are you, Gray? Uh, so I am. Yeah, <laughs> So, yeah, Jankum's a bit pissed and a bit annoyed because, you know, this virus, this weapon that the Diviners put on the Protostar can't be destroyed, or, or certainly the guys are not aware of how to destroy it, and there, isn't, there hasn't been a thing that Jankum Paul can't fix until this stage, so he's a bit frustrated with that. He tries everything to try and destroy this thing, and it's not happening. Um, <laughs> you note know, here, Grey... That it's still a bit goofy. So he tries to write the construct with a 
a, a wrench. Which, yeah, that's a good point because I thought he was punching it or something, but no, he had the wrench in his well, hand and he's setting it, isn't he? <laughs> actually, the part of his hand is a wrench. I realized. Oh, it's a wrench a hand. That's why you put that. Yeah, yeah because he's, he's... Got a, yeah. But the point is, is he's trying to like mess with it with a wrench and or his hand or whatever, and it's kind of like, yeah, okay, dude, you know you can't do anything. So what are you swinging at it for? Ah, it's because because he lose. Right. He must have lost his hand then or something. And he's got like some yeah. add on there because you later on you see him at one point throw out his hand like a grappling thing, yeah. which yeah. is cool. Good. That was new. I didn't even realize that until I saw it. Like, <laughs> is okay. he is he Inspector Gadget? And we'll get to that. Point yeah, there later you go. On, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a good point, Gray. Thanks for adding that in. Um, our fearsome ensigns, or cadets, actually, sorry, they, they beamed down to the uh, distress signal, which I assume was what ended at the end of last episode there, um, which was good. It was a continuation of a little bit of that story, not just dismissed out of hand. Um, but they don't go down without rock or mirth murph even because murph is actually a little bit ill and it seems that some some things actually do affect murph he's not completely indestructible um we don't know what's wrong with this stage where we see he's still sick from something yeah like you said we we don't know what it is but yet yeah we find out later on yeah um let's say we don't think anything affects this guy but clearly it does um so yeah murph and uh, rock stays on board to look after murph um and uh, <laughs> Jankum Pog's trying to stay as well on board because despite him being, being able to fix almost anything, he's um, a little bit scared. I'd like to say, like Grace says, he's a bit of a goofball. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I love him, because I'm a bit of a goofball, believe it or not. Yeah, but it, it, clearly the character's written and put in there to do all these goofy things for kids and young adults. I mean, it's, it's typical yeah. of any of those kind of shows that they have to have the one goofball. Yeah, it's just for a, me. It's just kind of like a little too goofy. I mean, I'm supposed to believe that you're such a you're a hotshot engineer. You're really and to be the type of engineer that he pretends to be, not pretends to be, but 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 is acting is to it, yeah. I can talk. It's supposed to be. <laughs> how does he go from being like so intelligent to doing these goofball things? Um, uh, mm. I keep getting surprised. One second he acts like a complete idiot, and the next season, next scene, he's like. Yes, and the dilithium crystals uh, cause a bu- 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 Okay. <laughs> are you a goofball or are you smart? That's Apparently, funny. he's a very smart goofball. Yes, he yes. is. And I, I'm guessing they're allowed, they're allowed to get away with it purely because it's, let's say, the kid show. But it's a yeah. bit like um, Haribo Grey, the, the candy, the sweets. It's uh, kids, kids and, uh, and adults love them, so... They're for both of us, they're for the kids and for the adults. We're both allowed to enjoy this. Um, I just mm-hmm. want to find out who does the voice acting for him because he must have a bloody field day playing Jankum, just being silly and getting paid to be silly. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, so our man Jankum does actually get beamed down. He gets dragged pretty much down onto the the, the, the pad to be uh, basically beamed down. Um, and they're on the planet. The oh god, it's, it's a bit like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. This episode is the best way I can describe it. Is why I never gave it a nine out of ten. It's not a bad thing. It's just a bit bonkers in a good way. Um, they encounter some uh, locals, let's call them, at this stage, and they don't know who they are. Gray. Um, right. They 
the locals stun Jankum a little bit and they're like, whoa, 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 certain, you know, Dal's like, we come in peace, we come in peace, we're friendly. Um, no white flag or nothing. Um, and they stop firing because they recognize the comm badges on them. They call, <laughs> they, they call, they call those guys Starflight. Starflight, not Starfleet, right. Starflight. Starflight, uh, right? Yeah, and, and that's because there's little intricacies in this episodes and stuff like, You'll need to keep me on my toes, Gray and vice versa, because um, you'll, you'll see what I mean in a moment. So <clears throat> the two fake fake officers, as I'm calling them at this stage, are calling themselves James T and Sul U, right? S-O-O-L apostrophe U, right? And I'm like, right. and they do sound and a James bit like T Shatner. James T is all one word, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, they do sound a bit like Shatner and Takai, to be fair. Um, Not played by them, but they sound a bit like them. Which is good. Oh my god, I I just I fell off my chair when I heard that. You you hear the James T coming up and, and doing the the, uh, the kind the, of little the, pauses, the hilarious Im, Im, right, the hilarious uh, impression of William Shatner. We got to do this right now, and he's talking just <laughs> like that, and he's doing this, and I'm going, oh no. Yeah. And then when I hear the other guys sound just, just like George Takei, you know, so, you know, oh my, you know, it's yeah. all the stuff. And he's just like, oh, what is going on? And I'm like, I'm just like, I'm happy and laughing, and I'm just kind of like, what is going on? This is like, this is crazy. Yeah, it, it was great though. It was perfect. It, it 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 was a great entrance from these guys, and 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 you're right, they do sound like that. The the, the actors that done the voice part for that, kudos because trying to get the mannerisms down of both of them, especially Shatner, because when he's playing Kirk, he does do that. Oh, yes, we got to do this right away. And, and, and these little pauses is what makes him just unique in that respect. So, yeah, we both had a chuckle at that. Um, <laughs> they call um, they call the distress, sorry, they call the distress signal the, the end son, right? And yeah. they say... <laughs> live logs and proper now i had a chuckle at us because and they go like this i think with yeah they got it wrong what yeah 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 <laughs> they completely get it wrong gray noticed this at this stage i didn't until later on because i'm trying to take notes at the same time so i'm glad you pointed that one out gray um hilarious what 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 the f moment there um the star flight because i'm going to get confused here the star flight guys say the Federation, or Federation, Federation. Right. They're calling apostrophe. the crew from the right, but they're calling the crew from the Protostar that has come down the Federation. They are the Federation. Federation. <laughs> and so they're like, okay. And they welcome them. They welcome them to uh, Enterprise with the with the Z. Ender. Enterprise. Uh, en, 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 There's no T. Ender. Enterprise. That's right. Yeah. Enterprise. Um, and it, when they show them, they he, they go welcome to the to Enterprise, and you see this beat up looking old starship maybe that or the or parts of a starship that they put together yeah, what is that great because we do see another starship later yeah or i, I was looking later. at it. it wasn't a shuttlecraft it was it was definitely something of some made. smaller you know could have been like a freighter or who knows yeah. i don't know whether it was a, it was I, it, to me it appeared to be a crash freighter but it could have been just as easily them building something in the image of what they learned is we don't want to get they ahead of ourselves and they so they built, so you so you right so you see a ship what could be either a ship that they built it's actually a building i should say i should back up it's a building yeah. it's not it may not necessarily be a, a ship per se yeah but yeah. this is their their town hall or their most 
you know, uh, their 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 city, their center of of uh, their 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 uh, political whatever. Everything everything centers in this building apparently, and they call themselves Enterprisians. <laughs> Is that yeah, Enterprisians? Right, okay, that sounds well, right. Yeah, so that's the, that's the aliens' name. They're Enterprisians. So try to repeat that ten times fast. And mm -hmm. what did you notice as well, Gray, about the? Well, immediately you see when he goes to to talk to his fellow Enterprisians, he pops out the old communicator, a real old communicator from the original series. Like so with the funny little bleep bleep bleep. How does, go, how does it go? How does it go again, Gray? How does it go again? I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. Something like that. And he's trying to talk to his other other people. We have found the Federation. No, no. We have it, found the Federation. It gets here confusing, man. Talk to us. Bear <laughs> with us, guys. So we might not get it bang on. <laughs> um, and we can, we're having a lot of fun with this episode because there's a lot of fun in the episode. There is so. a lot of fun in this episode. Uh, uh, the 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 next point you put down, Gray. Here, you you put a little bit here that you wanted to mention. Oh God, there's so many things. Where do, we, where do I start? The whole well, the next Vulcan paragraph salute, we, we, is you. Right. The Vulcan salute, as we said, was off. I noticed right away. So I figure, all right, well, they just didn't quite get that one right. Uh, but then later, what was funny is they were just kind of like panning across the crowd of Enterprisians, and they're all doing different things. But some of them are sparring against each other. They're kind of training so that they can stay fit, and in case they have to defend themselves, uh, they'll know what to do. But the thing that was funny was they come to one one pair that are sparring each other and it's an exact scene that was totally taken out of the, the original episode arena season one episode 19 of the original series where captain kirk fights the gorn and yes we know when they first fought the gorn the dude was in the the lizard head <laughs> that was look i was 11 or 12 years old when i watched that episode for were the you first scared time. gray <laughs> no even i knew that it was looking a little you know but then again, I, we just kind of accepted it because the show, the episode happened to be very good. Yeah. And at that point, they, had, they didn't have any better special effects, so we kind of just went with it. Today, it looks even more outdated. But anyway, so there's a scene where the Gorn wraps his arms around Kirk, and he's like trying to crush Kirk. And the only thing that Kirk can do, and what's known as like a, the Kirk maneuver, or whatever you want to call it when, when he's fighting, is he takes his hands and he bashes the ears of the Gorn and the Gorn drops uh, Kirk, and then he's holding his head going, oh, you know, whatever, because he got hit in the ears. So the exact same thing happens in this episode where they're sparring with each other, and one guy has, has the other one wrapped around his shoulders, and he does one of these to him. And then the guy goes like this, and I'm like, oh, my God. So it was exactly from that episode, which is great. So that was like a little nice homage back to, uh, uh, back to that episode, the uh, arena. So I thought that was, kinda, that was pretty cool. I did note. I did note or notice this, but I didn't note it down at the time. So I'm glad um, Gray did. Um, we have another fake character. I'm calling them fake characters because they're ripping off the the Starfleet and the Federation, yeah. obviously. So fake characters are enter. We have another Enterprising then, um, and his name is Doctor Boons, not Bones. Boons, <laughs> of course. <laughs> this is brilliant. Um, and Gray tries to correct me here by saying play instead of watch the logs, but it's not that they're, they're actually watching them. They're reenacting in a theater the enterprises the the logs that they have listened to, and they, they do everything in theater and performance. Uh, and well, our ensigns actually our ensigns our cadets actually watch this being played out. The whole yeah. thing is actually a real play on words, and I just did it again right now. 
but when they but the ender the enterprisians were all saying we must play the logs play the logs that's all they kept saying play the logs so i went along with the fact that we were playing the logs but what it really was is that you would watch you would it turned out to be watching the logs but in turn it was a play oh you're confusing me so, so now it's it's okay. getting real confusing because yeah. you're playing the logs, but it's not, but they're, it's a play. They're, they're playing them, but it's a theater. So then the cadets yeah. watch this log being played that's actually being watched. Just, and I thought the whole thing of doing it as a play was totally brilliant. Yeah. It genius. reminded me long ago, uh, uh, God, this goes way back now when, when uh, Saturday Night Live first started, and they did parodies of Star Trek back then, and it was very similar because they all just did it you know, live and... Uh, on the set of a of a what looked like the Enterprise, and they would if they made a mistake, they made a mistake. They're alive, and it just looked like that, like they were treating it like that. And I just thought that was brilliant. I really thought that was just so, so brilliant. I thought they were originally they were going to play like a video, or something that they captured off of a, you know, whatever. And so I was expecting to see, I don't know, some kind of video from the Enterprise, whatever. Mm. And yet they they had they had to act it out, which was perfect. So I just thought that was really great. <laughs> um, definitely like that. I guess most people know what Saturday Night Live is, but for those that don't, it's an entertainment late night show in the States that even I've heard of. That can be entertaining from time to time. Um, yeah, yeah uh, because it's the theatre play and because Jankum loves food, of course he's sitting there eating popcorn. Uh, and I'm convinced, Gray, I hear him, it must be him, fart at least <laughs> once. Um, and because I'm a big kid, I'm chuckling away here. Um Gray notices some inaccuracies here uh, that he'd like to point out. But, but before well, you do, Gray, can I just say that they're definitely not got it nailed on Enterprise since they've definitely made some mistakes, right. and this is one of them. But I, but, I, but I kind of, I'm careful about saying mistakes because it may, you could also say maybe it's not a mistake because uh, the Enterpriseans don't get everything totally correct. So either way, you can take, you, right, you can take it as you will. But James T, who is obviously pretending he's James T. Kirk or whatever, is wearing an engineering outfit, not the Command Gold outfit of the TOS series. So yeah. I was noticing that was a little off or whatever. Um, but it, it, this also happens later on as well, so, but we'll, and we'll get into it. But I noticed right away that I couldn't understand the color thing, what that was all about. Um, yeah. But I thought the, the the other really funny thing that I thought was great, another little parody of what really happened in real life. Uh, there was a scene where they were pretending that something was, you know, they're on the bridge of their Enterprise, which looks similar to the to the uh, USS Enterprise of TOS, and they're on the bridge acting out uh, something that's happening. And so when they acted out, the, the, the characters, the Enterpriseians that are on stage, something happens to the ship, and they're doing this. They're shaking and going like this because something is happening, <laughs> yeah, here, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I see them doing this. I'm cracking up because I know exactly what they're doing in real life. When they when they filmed uh, the original uh, series, uh, Star Trek, that's exactly what the real actors had to do, because back then they couldn't afford, you know, special effects or moving sets or whatever. So they would literally, the director off camera would be going, okay. We're going to tilt the camera to the left. Now it's going to tilt to the right. Now it's going to... And they had to actually go like this as if something was happening. And it worked. It, it made sense to the, to the video, but that is exactly how the actors had to play it. And when I saw them do this, I'm just like, this is great. I love this. And so they're just sitting there just doing that. And like, it just was hilarious. It is a, it is a good point that Gray brings up. Um, they, they nailed that one, a T. Um, 
and their 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 theater performance was pretty much how you would see a lot of theater performances these days with the sure. cardboard cutouts and stuff of whatever they're bringing them on and off <laughs> and they're literally running on grabbing a couple of the set items running back off replacing them yeah. just like you kind of would at the moment to be fair so i hey, more like, like a more like so, a high school play yeah yeah i guess i guess yeah yeah yeah. because i guess normally the theaters these days if they're doing something like that it'll go to dark and then they'll replace things and bring the lights back right. up and you don't notice as much so yeah no it was it was cheesy but it was, was kind of cool it, it it worked um there's a reason behind it and that's why it was funny so. yeah um the next um the next uh star flight character pops up um and of course it's sprock not Spock, <laughs> Sprock, um, with his wise, with his words are so wise, apparently, as they say in the play. Uh, I do like the fact that Sprock says most illogical, which is just brilliant. <laughs> uh, and then we get next another character in this play, and it's a parody of Scotty. Now, Grey Notes here, he is actually called Scott T. He's, he's actually, none of us picked up that was actually what his name was yeah. in the episode. It was just Gray dug in to the credits and found this out. I'm a little bit annoyed they didn't use his actual name, but it makes sense, Gray, this that he's actually called Scotty. I'm just thinking yeah. I go, I'm thinking I'm Goatee in my head for some reason when you yeah, say Scotty. <laughs> uh, and of course, growing uh, Scott. <laughs> now I do mention here as a Scotsman myself, I'm offended by that bloody accent because at least uh, uh, James doing. While it wasn't bang on, it was definitely closer, and it kind of just suited him. This was just like someone that not done much research on the accent or listened to it much, tried to copy it, um, and obviously very stereotypical. So yeah, okay, I'm uh, I'm claiming that card. Yeah, um, but it served it served his purpose, and it was it, funny. It did serve his purpose, purpose, and he wasn't in it a lot. It was just a little bit. Uh, Grey Notes here, he's wearing the science outfit. It's right. all messed this up with the colors. Point where, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, th- I like this mistake though, Gray. They've mixed up the color schemes completely wrong, and I love it. Part of the charm of the Enterprise Zines, isn't it? <laughs> That's um, right. And then you you mentioned here as well. Uh, they, they can't even Enterprise Zines can't get everything correct here, and that's the main thing they do make a boo boo of all the shirt colors been wrong for the different ranks and whatnot. Um, we get another character again on top of this one. This one I didn't pick up as well as Grey did, um, called Enson. Enson. And we'll find out later right. on where he comes from here. And what's it? He says, the hero of the logs. <laughs> right. So they introduce him as being their hero. In other yeah. words, the Enterprising's hero. Yeah. So they hold this guy, whoever Enson is, we find out later, um, that he's he's the man he's the guy that started this whole thing that 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 of what their civilization is today so as it goes on it turns out that starflight or starfleet flight whatever was prophesized by ensign to come and save them uh from the gallows as they call it uh, on the episode so again ensign is their hero ensign is the one that says starfleet is was going to come to answer their call and of course, it happened, and they're all happy about it, you know. But that's yep. how that all came about. So that's the their hero, whoever this Ensign is. This Ensign, who we'll, we will find out about shortly. Um, this, and the, he's he's saving them from the gallows, which at this stage just looks like some creature in a forest type thing that 
infects anyone that gets anywhere close to it. At this stage, that's what we know anywhere. Uh, and you note hereafter as well, Gray, a point about Dal that you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I, what I thought was there was a main kind of twist or, or, or subplot to the story, and that was that Val, uh, Dal is very conflicted by the fact that as he, that he believes, as the Ender- Enterprisians do, that he and his crew are also fake Starfleet. He's having a down moment or a down moment ever since that happened in the previous episode that he just feels that they're wasting their time pretending that they're Starfleet, which, of course, the Enterprisians do as well. So he has that identification, and but he's treating it in a very negative way. Um, but to his credit, uh, the Doctor Boons, <laughs> the Enterprisian <laughs> Doctor Boons, uh, asks uh, Dal at this point. He says, uh, "Do you believe in Starfleet?" So he's kind of challenging him and saying, "Like, well, you're saying all this stuff about us, yet you are doing the same thing. So do you believe yeah. or don't or don't you?" And he has to think about that for a second. Also, I wanted to pause for a second. It was interesting just before uh, when they're get, having the issue in, of uh, getting infected by the gallows or whatever, the doc actually starts talking serious for a second, which I thought was interesting. He didn't act like the typical Enterprisian mm-hmm. at all. And he starts going into talking a little bit about, uh, just a little, about Ensign. And he says that he knows about the Prime Directive and he knows that they're not perfect, and he knows that they don't, they can't do everything, but but they still do the best they can from what Ensign provided. Nobody else in the Enterprisians said anything about this. None of them got into what they believe and how this came about. The Doc Boons was the only guy to say something about that. And so for a moment, it was almost like he was saying, "Yeah, look, it, I, we get it. We we know we come off as being looking really kind of goofy." But it's not what you think. Yeah. And this is what it ha- this is how this is why. I thought that was pretty good. It was really handled well by again by the writers, giving us a chance to see that the Enterprisians if have a serious side to them. You have it to figure it out. You know, there are yeah. it, 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 there's more to it than what you think you see. Yeah, there. I there is, that was handled pretty well. There is a serious side to them for sure. Uh, Enterprisians. Yeah. Um, it, it is a, a, I'm, I'm, I'm again glad that Gray brought this up because. Um, it was a very somber, serious moment. Like like Grace says, that Dal Hash actually think, well, wait a minute, hold my beer. This is exactly what's happening to us in a way. Um, we're a bit silly and goofy. We're trying to pretend we're Starfleet uh, a bit like these guys are, um, maybe for slightly different reasons. But no, it's it's a very good point, Gray, actually. Um, I actually did enjoy that, although I didn't note it down, so I'm glad you did. Um, so we move on to... Um, someone rushing into this fake starship building thing that the Enterprise, Enterprises have, have made, and it happens to be none other than Cadet Hur-Ah, right? H-U-U-R <laughs> apostrophe capital A, right? Hur-Ah. Uh, it's kind of, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Uh, and uh, she arrives and turns out she's been infected by these gallows, right? She's got like patchy, dark patches on her and she's not well at all. Um, and pretty much momentarily, uh, Dal has been affected by the gallows as well. Now, God knows why he went nowhere near it, unless he was the one that was closest to Cadet Hurrah. I was assuming yeah, he must I, have been, you know. Without giving anything away, because we we're talking more about the episode, I kind of noted that later on uh, in our notes, because I'm sitting there going like, well... He must yes, have caught he her or t- something. 
No, he did touch her. There was a part where he yeah. had her he had her in his Almost arms, up. but I'm still trying to figure out like wait a minute. So I wasn't really sure, but but let's not talk about it. I'll, I'll yeah, make yeah. a point of it later. Of course, of course, of course. Um yeah, at this point um hindsight's a wonderful thing at this very stage. Um but yeah, so they're both both man down at uh, at this stage with with the gallows, whatever the hell it is at this stage. Um the crew you gotta have the name though, right? The gallows. Oh, it's, I mean, it's brilliant. It's, All this it's, theatrical it's the typical names. usual writing trope that they use go to the gallows yeah <laughs> it's all well it's all very theatrical if you think about it gray the gallows yeah, and yeah. the names that they use for things the enterprises you know um i really want a species to be called the enterprises now that's just it's just brilliant um well, they are as far as well, they're concerned that's yeah i called. guess it's just because it's a bit goofy but i guess they are so what why the hell not i would love to have known I, their name you know what I, I want to see them again i not now but yeah like maybe next season or something like that i want to see them go back I would love to know their name. They were great. I would love to, agreed. I would love to know what their name was before they were called Enterprises, is maybe the point I'm trying to make. Um, But anyway, because you got to figure, you got to figure they've been, well, they've been the Enterprisians for at least 100 years. Generation, Uh, because, you know, yeah, so so for 100 years, I don't know what they were before the 100 years, but yeah, you would think. There's got to be some other history there, whatever yeah. the heck it is. I would like to discover it again in the future, a future episode. Um, mm. So, yeah, so we'll get, we'll get two guys uh, manned down by the gallows. Um, the crew literally have to go uh, to the source in order for um, Zero to literally try and make some cure uh, for it. Um, and so Rock, this time, our, our, our good pal Rock, does beam down. Uh, leaves a hollow Janeway in charge of Murph, who's still uh, man down at this stage as well. Everyone seems to be bloody sick at this stage, uh, Gray. <laughs> and Rock brings down some EV suits so they can go and investigate. Uh, Super Rock to the rescue. Um, Dal at this stage is going a little bit nuts with the effects of the gallows, you know, a little bit stir crazy. Yeah, I- yeah, uh, he's itching himself all over. Yeah, it's like nah, man, that's... You, you'll find out later. What obviously, causes the gallows, and it kind of makes a little bit sense. But um, James T, all one word, remember, puts um, some. Or was it the doctor? I think it was James T. I think it was I James, know what now? Uh, James T. Puts uh, uh, no, no, it was it, no, it was the, it was the doctor. Yeah, there we go. The there we go. Glad we're on the same yeah. page now. Um, puts uh, leeches or some leech type creature um, on him, which seems to help now. Doesn't make a lot of sense that, but anyway, we'll go. Well, with actually, it. yeah. We'll go I, with although it. I can't remember exactly what he said, he did say what it was. He said that the leech introduced some kind of, uh, I don't know, natural enzyme or something like that, and he even explained it that reacted with the such and such, yeah, and brought the pain down. So he actually explained it medically. True, true. It you just know. it just seemed to happen immediately. It's not very it's a cartoon. We got to go with the cartoon thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, if you think, if you want to, if you want to think about it again, it's, it, you know, we're in the confines of what essentially is minus the credits and what would have been commercials. Twenty-three minutes of footage, so they have to sit there and figure out, go quickly with stuff. Like, of course, okay, of course, he gets, he gets infected. It takes three seconds, and he's infected. Yeah. And it, and he puts a, a leech on his neck, and then within one second, he's oh, I feel better. Ray, you have to you you definitely choose your moments of when to nitpick and then when you don't want to nitpick you use the whole it's a cartoon excuse so you're either nitpicking or you're not nitpicking i'm nitpicking i'm full on nitpicking (laughs) no no i agree but see that kind of stuff doesn't really bother me because i i get it i mean 
if it if they had an hour long episode, they would have the luxury. Uh, but since they don't, it's okay. I mean, that's stuff you can you can let go by. You know, we notice it, we, we talk about it, but it's something you can you can let you know let let it lie. Let it lie. Um, we I noticed here that we both noticed at this stage that we see uh, a red shirt on the wall with a phaser mm-hmm. uh, as uh, the doctor's given the, the whole whole speech to to to, to Dal, um, and it's in like a kind of plaque thing, a memorial thing on the wall. Um, wondering which poor sod this came from, and Gray notes here it very possibly could be Enson. Makes sense, it's Enson. They don't say who it is, but it, logically it's probably Enson. So we'll go with that uh, because you know as well, Gray, that the patch on the shirt was Operations Engineering from TOS, so it probably did make sense it was him. So we'll we'll say it's Enson. Plus the hero, Enson, the hero was wearing a red shirt during the play, or excuse me, the logs. Logs, yeah, getting right, getting right. Yeah, the Come play, on, the logs play, <laughs> playing the logs play. Um, <laughs> okay, so it turns out we actually find out a bit more here once they dig in a little bit deeper. The the cadets, uh, the real cadets now, no, the the not the fake ones. Um, right. Well, are they real? Yes, they're sort real of fake, but not as sort. Well, yeah, no, <clears throat> kind of, kind of, sort of. Fakes. They're more real. Um, so yeah, it turns out the gallows. Another plain word is the Galileo. The shuttlecraft from TOS, uh, which I thought was brilliant once they found out what it was. At this stage, the cadets kind of, or some of them know what that is because some of them have actually started taking their job seriously on top of the Protostar, uh, on board the Protostar by researching about Starfleet in general. And they went, ah, Galileo, that is a shuttlecraft from back in the day. Um, well, the cool thing was is that, that the guy that points it out is your your buddy Jankum because he goes like I've been studying a bunch of twenty third or twenty yeah, second so. or whatever it was century technology and so he already knew you know what it was all about so that was that was cool so yeah, I was like, all right. he's done his research he's actually working hard which is a good thing um, it seems that the uh, the warp engines I had to go investigate this actually I was like is shuttlecrafts back in TOS days get warp engines and they do yeah i'm thinking probably just enterprise in my head they didn't have warp engines but the tos ones did and apparently they could match the constitution class i find that far-fetched but it's in it's in it's in alpha uh wiki online so literally go and check that yeah, one out it's the shuttlecrafts were never never meant to go more than like warp one so it's not like they were well, any kind of speedy craft partly they can match the constitution class so they could go warp seven in theory. Again, it's, it's we're nitpicking. Yeah. We're nitpicking. That's that's what that's what Wiki says, and Wiki's always right, isn't it? Not. Um, anyway, well, right. So well. the warp engines are uh, they're leaking. They're leaking plasma into the water. Um, it's affecting everyone in that respect, and it's causing kind of explosions every now and again because the effects of this plasma falling in. Um, the there is the lithium crystals there as well uh gray notes as well and once you start leaking plasma in that respect all over um the dilithium crystals it's causing a nasty effect it just is causing random explosions in there um so the crew um the crew at this stage tried to heal zero but due to interference uh they can't so jank on pog <laughs> has the the great idea because of his research before on these old ships um, to use the comms array of the Galileo to get a signal out, um, which I thought was brilliant. Um, 
he this is the point we mentioned for about the grey notice the wrench hand because the Galileo's like sitting on the edge uh, about to fall in kind of thing it's the whole writing tr- trope that writers love to use uh, he jumps up to the ship and literally uses his wrench hand but it's not a wrench this time it's Inspector Gadget into something else. It's his actual right. real. It becomes a grapple thing. It's a grapple. It's, it, no, it is his hand, but it's a fake hand, if that makes yeah. sense. So then he puts that out the other side of the Galileo onto a, like a, a structure to hold on to it for a little while while he can send the signal out. So I like that. That was that was pretty cool. Um, he was able to tell Zero what was going on so that he can then go and make uh, a cure for, for those two guys. Um, now, Gray, <laughs> Gray, Gray notice here. He calls he calls Jankum a dweeb. Well, I'm offended by this. Gray. I didn't what say he was a dweeb. I said he. I the said excellent he one. The That's the I, same difference. Yeah, but I, but but the thing I was trying to say about it, or, or the different thing about it I saw in Jankum this time, is that he always acts rather annoyingly like a dweeb half the time. But here, all of a sudden, it's a complete turnaround. He knows his stuff. He knows his engineering. He knows what to do. And he's brave because he never acts brave. And he even said when he crawled into the Galileo 7, that he said, more or less, if you don't, this doesn't work and you don't hear from me. You know, he was trying to say, you know, without saying it, he was saying, I might die, you know, yeah. doing this. Yeah. Um, that brave. So I was like, I was like, oh my God. So now all of a sudden, after instead of running away from everything, he's like full head on. And I was like, I thought that was great. So I was really nice to see. And I, and I hope the writers do more of that. If you're going to make him act, you know, like a goofball, please have him act like this, you know, too, sometimes to set it off a little bit. Yeah, it's about you know, timing that, as well. All. About timing yeah. when he does these silly things and when he's serious. And it was silly, probably, for the most part, at the right times and uh, serious at the right time, which is great. Um, but you also uh, mentioned something else underneath, Gray, that you want to... Cover yep. as well. Um, at this point in the story, Jacob get, uh, gets his message through to Jankum. Zero. Uh, Jankum, whatever. <laughs> you pull me up, I'll he gets pull his you me- up. He gets his message through to Zero about the toxic runoff problem. And this now that Zero hears this, uh, he, she, whatever, knows, she knows how to create an antidote because she couldn't do anything before about the poisoning because she didn't know what was going on. So now that she does know what's going on, she was able to put an antidote together just in the nick of time. And they go ahead and they give it to uh, Dal and Hura, and apparently they get better almost instantly. We talked about that, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're all good now. Yeah. Now, this is where I kind of made a little note about what I was kind of talking about earlier. Yeah, because I already mentioned that point before, Gray. Right. So we're about both sitting there thinking, like, to ourselves, <laughs> Trev and I, so how do you catch poisoning? The only way you're going to get poisoned by somebody else that's poisoned is if you have a blood exchange. Yeah. Right. There was no blood exchange. He only he only uh, cradled Hora uh, uh, in in his arms to help her when she was falling down. Right. There was no blood. There was no exchange of bodily fluids or whatever. So you can't catch poisoning. So I think that was a, a I, it is something that I'm that I, is not a nitpick. You... I think that's a major that's a major flaw in the story because you don't catch poisoning. But. You know, whatever we'll we'll let it go. But you, they should have, they could have said it some somehow differently or handled it somehow differently. I'll, uh, uh, but you don't, like I said, you don't. It's like getting bit by a snake and then touching your friend and saying, "Oh well, you're poisoned now too." It doesn't work that way. 
Um, that makes sense why you mentioned that again, Gray, after me talking about the cure, because I was like, is this man not reading what I put down? He's repeating the same thing. But yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's elaborating on a main plot hole. Uh, yeah, I we'll, just thought that was we'll give weak, you that. and it could have come up better than that. That just was too weak. We'll give you that, Gray. Kind of... Right, that's one, that's one no to you. You've got that one there, man. That's, uh, it's, not an it's not an epic, it's a plot hole. Um, yeah, that's fair enough. Right, so the, at this stage, the Galileo is uh, she's falling apart, Captain. Um, it's getting ready to literally fall uh, into the water, and there'll probably be a, a bigger. In fact, there is a bigger explosion uh, when when that does happen. Uh, so this is this. I found this bit bloody cool. I'm just saying, heads up, spoiler. Um, they literally have to fly the protostar in uh, manually uh, because all the interference. Uh, hollow Janeway can't take command of the ship because at this stage, if you think of Hollow Janeway, she's like a cross of the Doctor from Voyager along with Doctor from the Voyager with the command hologram uh, protocols built in. She's a she's a Swiss Army knife basically, so she can do it all. But because of the interference, she won't be able to do that. Goddamn interference! It's always a thing in Star Trek, but it is what it is. Um, uh, and that is it, plausible. I mean, it, it is plausible. It is plausible. Um, so at this stage, um, because the protostar is literally several officers down at this stage, they have to recruit some of the locals. At this stage, I'm thinking, what the... Uh, but <laughs> this is the genius part here. So um, they, beam, they get some locals uh, beamed onto the protostar. Right. Um, three of them. Three of them, yeah, three officers. Uh, we've got, I, I count, so we've got... Sulu. We got Sulu. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the other two characters? Uh, uh, it was a random one. one was, um, or two randoms. One of them was James T, wasn't it? James T, Sulu, was... and we don't know who the third and... is. Possibly a random. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Unless it was huh. Hura, and she's cured. Anyway, right. We don't know who the third oh, that, is, yeah, but... Okay, maybe that was. Uh, yeah, whatever. Because it was a, it was a woman, so... Um, uh, as soon as they beam on board, literally Sulu says... My, my. And the Takai in a way that I can't really do justice of. But yeah, I had a little chuckle that, so did Grey. Um, <clears throat> what was smart here was the locals were literally... I found this amusing because they're, they're touching the different uh, consoles and it's making the noise of that rejection noise when you put in like the wrong code into something, Grey. Right. And I'm right. like, what? I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it adds to the moment that, listen, they can't use this. They don't have a clue. They don't right. because They're... it's too advanced, isn't it? Um, so... I mean, they, they were brought up there to help. They do have they don't knowledge, know how to use it. But, they're, but they don't understand. And nothing correlates to them. They can't figure it out. No, they're used to the old stuff. They're used to the old stuff, and that's where it, uh, it literally turns on its head. Um, Janeway at this stage, Hollow Janeway tells the computer what she kind of is. That's weird mind bender there uh to literally transform the consoles into the original enterprise there now at this stage i had no clue the protostar could do this but it makes sense mm. it's an advanced starship why can't it especially when you see discovery later on in the future timeline being able to change things like that on a whim spoiler there gray um and then they you got little hints of the original music coming in as well from the original series and then it looks like the bridge of the Enterprise, which I thought was bloody cool. And yeah, the officers say, I can work with this. The, the Enterprises, I can work with this. Um, 
Now, I, uh, to break in for a second, I thought uh, originally when that happened, I'm going like, well, that's okay, but how are they, how are they going to know if this button goes to whatever button? But Janeway said in, in the course of doing this or telling the computer to do the hologram uh, cover, you know, cover the real stuff, she said, and make the it. controls correlate or map, like you said, to what would happen in the real, you know, protostar. Yeah, yeah. So that was smart because they you really needed to add that line in there because the first thing you're thinking of is like, so what? You're putting in the old Enterprise as an overlay. They still can't do anything. But when yeah. they said that, now it made all the sense in the world. So I thought it was a great scene too because they actually could sit down and go like, wow, we can do this and we can uh, we can help our people. So yeah. it worked. Yeah, it did work. I guess I, I would want them to add a line in each time. See if there's going to be a plot hole, Gray, or the small thing of being affected immediately and cured immediately. Just put in right. one quick line. You talked before about not having enough time. Uh, it's a short episode. It's a kid's show. But one line that takes seconds to say fixes that right. for all plot holes, so there shouldn't be any. So I will well, continue right. to nitpick. Uh, <laughs> and they should have been able to do a one-liner that would have explained how you catch poisoning. Yeah, agreed. That That's what I'm solved. saying. That yeah. would have solved it all. That's my point. Right. That's my point. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah but they don't. Uh, it is good writing. It's just if you're going to put in a genius line like Gray just mentioned there about mapping the controls and correlating it to the protostar, then just do it for every other plot hole and I'll, I'll be happy. Um, but anyway, right. You so know, you, know, you know what some of that could be? If people don't, real, don't know this already. Some people out there do know this. In every TV show, every movie, they have what they call continuity guys. And the continuity guys, their job is to sit there and look at stuff that doesn't seem to match up or doesn't have a something that makes sense, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So what do I mean by that? The simple way of continuity, a continuity person in a movie or TV that makes a mistake is that when you're watching a movie and you see a cup or a glass of a drink, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever drink they're drinking at the bar. And you notice that the cup is half full. In the next scene, you see that the cup is full. Well, how did the cup go from half full to full if it's the same damn scene? That's what a continuity guy is supposed to do. He's supposed to go, that's wrong. You know, we need to be, you need to have the entire, you know, thing to work. You have to have it half full in every episode, every shot. But they can't be perfect. So things do happen. Now, the continuity guy should have spotted some of this in this episode and been able to point out you know what had happened or what doesn't make sense but again every, nobody's perfect sometimes but that's what a continuity person does just so you know and there are people out there that literally counter the continuity guys by trying to find out the uh, bloopers in each episode or movie because oh, yeah. uh, they'll never get 100 percent perfect um and i know how the glass goes from half full to full gray if you've seen thor ragnarok you'll see that dr strange can just do it like that so oh, my assumption it, yeah. is Doctor Strange is crossed over with Star Trek Prodigies, all that can explain. That's right. He's he's just constantly off offset going <laughs> snapping his fingers to make, to make sure everything fills up to screw them. Uh the, the the last great Thor movie, by the way, Love and Thunder's not great, just FYI. Um That's right. so uh yeah, so now we we move on. Now Gray this is where I I lean on Gray's knowledge of TOS uh, a lot more than mine, because while I've seen some some of it recently and spoiler alert, I haven't watched much more of it in the last few weeks. Um, but Gray's knowledge is a lot better than this. Uh, and he hasn't seen Discovery, so we're kind of equal at this stage. Um, no, we're not. I'll explain that later another time. All right, okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, so we get a message from Ensign Garavik now uh, of the original Enterprise. Um, he then uh, 
Sorry. Well, let's let's back well, up and explain that. Back up. What happens is is they're in they're in the Galileo seven, but some piece of something or rather hits the dash on the Galileo, and all of a sudden the message starts playing, and it's apparently from Ensign Garavik, who I guess was the commander or the pilot, whatever. You don't know who he of was. Of the Galileo. Oh. Yeah. It said right here, message yeah. from Ensign Garavik in the Enterprise. It no, playing, no, no, no. Did you know who that character, like, from TOS? Do you go, oh, yeah, no, that's no, him. I, no, right, I, I didn't really do a research on Enston Garovic, so I could, so it could be an actual person, or they just made it up. I don't know. That's one thing I didn't really check uh, to see if there was, was an There's been a whole thing about Galileo, because, and I'll get into it in a minute when we talk about TOS, about what happened to the shuttlecraft, and why didn't we see it again, and all this other stuff, and and so that's that's why showing the Galileo in this episode was actually perfect, because there's been stories about like well, what happened to it, was it destroyed, was it not destroyed, uh, you know, et cetera, and it ends up popping up here, which is kind of cool. But so no explains what happened to it. Just randomly pops up. Um, right. But so the message starts to play. Yeah. Um, this this message. Um, I didn't mention the thing hitting the console just because I thought it was so small and trivial, but I do recall that. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, Garvik, who none of us know of at this stage from the original Enterprise on this Galileo shuttlecraft, um, crashed a long time ago, um, and now we're literally assuming it is Enson because it makes sense at this stage. Uh, well, we're not we're not assuming we do know it's Enson. Um, it turns out the locals literally. Enterprises literally found him and they, they cured him, uh, brought him back to full health, and they've learned all about him in the meantime and Starfleet, the Federation. Uh, my point here then literally is, so did the Ensign break the Prime Directive? In my opinion, I think he has. Yes, there's only so much you can do if the locals come aboard your ship and try to find out what's going on, but there's nothing stopping... Uh, Garvik from shutting his mouth and giving out minimal information. Uh, again, it's it's all hearsay. We we don't know. I'm just making assumptions here. Mm. Um, uh, and of course, the Enterprises on the back in the the protostar save the day. They beam up uh, everyone from inside the Galileo because everyone's jumped on board with Jankum now at this stage, just in time as it falls to its doom. Um, and Gray does like it's gave you a spoiler before, did put a note here about the the original Galileo that he wanted to mention. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to do, I looked up real quick just because I should have looked it up before, but apparently uh, there was an Ensign Garovic, and how it's explained is that Captain Garovic was a male Starfleet officer who lived in the mid-23rd century. He was the commanding officer of the USS Farragut and the father of Ensign David Garovic. So more than likely... Garovic, this Garovic we're talking about is David Garovic. Did you just find the that actual, out just now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair I had enough. to look it up because I was really <laughs> curious about that. See, Greg can do so that. I, I can't because it will mess up the recording. So I'm glad you did. <laughs> so basically, that that covers that for TOS too. But now on the other side, and I could be wrong about this, but I noticed I noticed something interesting on the side of the, the Galileo. It said shuttlecraft NCC-1701 forward slash seven. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two things it could be. One is that it, the slash seven means it's the seventh shuttlecraft out of all the shuttlecrafts that they had aboard the Enterprise. It's possible, you know. Uh, 
But what I would think it might be more of a reference to is that there was a uh, original episode of ep- uh, Star Trek called the Galileo Seven, which was ep- which was season one, episode sixteen. And in that episode was the first time I believe we saw the Galileo ever in the original series, and there were seven members on board of it, including Spock. Thus, the name of the episode, the Galileo Seven. Mm. So to me, it just looked like, man, that's got to be homage because why would you go out of your way to put a slash seven? Yeah. And I really think it was because they were hark- they were giving it a callback to the Galileo Seven, which happens to be a really good episode in season one uh, where Spock had to actually take command, which he's never done before. Uh, and it, it was awkward for him. And it was a really good episode, which strangely enough, it was looking back. Uh, Nimoy said it was a very tough, tough episode for him to do because it was the first time where he didn't have to act off of Kirk. And yeah. he was not used to that because he really thought the Spock character was at his best when he was acting off of Kirk or acting off of, of uh, Bones, Yeah, which is true. Yeah. So this is the first time he got thrust into a situation where he was totally in command for the entire episode. And it turns out to be one of the best episodes, actually, in the long run. So it, it had to be an homage to, to that episode, Galileo 7. I, I can't believe it was just because it was the seventh one. Um, you know, I, I did note here, Gray, well, I didn't know. I remembered that from my brief research on the Galileo, um, not as much as what you've done, um, that when I saw a, a shot, it must have been on a, a Memory Alpha or, or Wikipedia, I can't remember which it was now, and I do mm-hmm. see Spock uh, in command of that. Um, yep. And you see the inside of the shuttlecraft. Now, it seemed a bit weird when I noticed this because it looked pretty big. It looked like they were just in a big room in real life covered up. Now, now if you think about this, shuttlecrafts these days seem too small, the interior, for what they actually are. You you see the outside, they don't correlate. Now, there's probably more Mm -hmm. to more modern shuttlecrafts, more rooms than there is. And the old shuttlecrafts were literally probably just one big room. So I liked... It probably looked more realistic back then from the pictures I saw. Um, but you've got to love the Galileo, this very famous shuttlecraft in, in Star Trek. Well, the, the, the cool thing is in the original series, they they made a scale model. I mean, it yeah. was that big. Yeah. And they're in it, and you saw it from the outside too in, uh, in that episode. So if you all are, uh, remember the episode, or if, you're, or if not, go back and watch season one, episode 16. You'll see that. What we're talking uh, about and this is why practical effects sometimes are more effective boys and girls than all cgi especially back in the, the olden days where that's all you could pretty much do for the most part uh and, so and yeah. you know what this, uh, little side note because since you brought note. that up very interesting they said that um uh i believe it was Zack snyder's new sci-fi thing he's doing and a couple of other directors but i read in an article that they're starting in certain scenes not everything they're starting to go back to model building, which was always uh, an, an amazing uh, a talent to be able to actually build these models and make them look real. So now I've heard that they've actually gone back to model building in some instances and in some scenes uh, and combining it with CGI, which I think is pretty cool because that's a real lost art. And it's amazing if you, in fact, if you own a model that was built, whether it be the Enterprise or any of the other models that were built for the, those kind of shows, they're actually worth a lot of money yeah because um, because of the art form that's that's you know kind of dying off it was it was um i don't know if you got that point from the thing that i mentioned a while ago gray which was 
Um, so Zack Snyder's new show that's coming out soon, uh, Rebel Moon, um, he's, he's his own little sci-fi universe thing he's right. building. Um, he literally, the ship for that, the main ship, bigger than a shuttlecraft, is actually built like the outside right. of it. And inside, well, for the one of using futuristic technologies, which we don't have access to yet, he literally built the bloody ship. And it's huge. And it's expensive, but very impressive. So that touches on what Gray just mentioned there. Yeah. It often helps a lot if it's not only real for the actors to be able to uh, take this in, actually touch real parts of the ship and make it realistic overall because there's only so much actors can do with CGI and blue screens and green screens yeah. and, you know, practical wherever possible. Um, and then to be fair, CGI is so bloody expensive that maybe it's just the same price, if not cheaper, to do pra uh, practical effects. So, yes, um, I did like that. Now, um, at this stage here, Gray does notice, and I will, I will second this, that... Um, a little touching part here was that the Enterprises, um, after their little shenanigans, actually uh, become the new heroes because they literally did save their people. So now it'll maybe shift away from the Starflight guys <laughs> to maybe them uh, because they should be the heroes of their own people, I guess, to be fair. Um, kind of closing in towards the end of the, the episode here, uh, I did notice here, this is the first time I noticed, the Grey noticed sooner, um, when uh, Dal does the Vulcan salute, one of the Enterprises literally corrects himself and does, or she, sorry, corrects herself and does it the right way as opposed to, I don't know, it was like, maybe like that before. Like, I can't, right. so I can't do it the wrong I way. I've trained have, myself. Like going like this. My memory, my hands are built to do this. It's hard to actually get the me muscle memory to this. Something less, and then it moved to that. I liked that. I liked that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so d this local realized she was doing it long the whole time, does it the correct way. Um, I did also mention here that um, the crew think they can get in touch with Starfleet without the protostar um, uh, as, they, as they leave the, the locals behind in a better place because this whole thing about trying to do better and believing in yourself, the whole model of Starfleet and the Federation, got Dal and the crew thinking the same thing. That, no, why, why do we need this ship to actually get in touch with them? So I'll be curious to see where that goes. Maybe they'll yeah. try to blow up the ship and maybe the weapon will defend the ship or something. Who knows? But it's an interesting point to see where we're going with this one. Um, and you, know, you just brought up you just brought an interesting point. What I do that why a lot, can't... Mate. And maybe this will happen later, but why can't the protostar, let's say, come close to another star Starfleet outpost or something? Not right up to it, but close. Send its own shuttlecraft, which is does not have the construct on it, and then personally go into there and talk to them. Nothing to say. I don't see they why can't. they can't do that. Nothing. The construct to say they can't. is not in the shuttlecraft. Um. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or, or, or is so that it? Would give you... or, or is it? Maybe we don't know. Well, I mean, they haven't written it yet, so I suppose they could come up with something. Yeah. But the point is, is that that could be an interesting thing, where all of a sudden they realize that and they say, oh, "We'll just send a shuttlecraft over there and try to see if they can talk to Starfleet." Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a possibility. Could happen. They, they might write that in. They might write it out, but at any point in the future, don't make it too easy. Is what I would say. So I guess write it properly <laughs> if, if yeah. it comes to it. Um, no, it's a valid point. Um, and like I say, I think 
something might happen to the protostar later on for, for that to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Gray, you notice uh, you no- notice something down about a second contact rule, which I do recall, but it's a good point because it kind of makes the whole episode and what happens next a bit more plausible. And yeah, what was well, that? basically, Hollow Janeway says that sec or Dal was talking to Hollow Janeway about this, and she said second contact rules are fuzzy. So that kind of explains, as you saw at the end, the crew was giving the Enterprisians some more of their tech, uh, other stuff that would help phasers them, uh, and stuff, out, and yeah. Some phasers, yeah, other things like that to kind of keep them moving along, I guess, on their on their curve or whatever. Yeah, uh, which is kind of kind of cool i mean they'd already kind of get it got it maybe even better than they did yeah uh so so it makes sense i, I like that whole thing and that's why i would like to go back now in a future episode and see how they've been doing yeah you know since it, then which is cool to revisit it's that know. one line of dialogue again that, that that can fix these things from actually breaking like we've discussed already so i'm glad they've done it again mm-hmm. now and if they're unsure if hollow Jamie's unsure of how second contacts go, um, I'd recommend she I'd recommend she gets in touch with the Cerritos because they are the kings at it. And that's uh, Lord Dex, for those <laughs> that don't know. All reviews are on this channel of that as well. Um, we we finish up with, uh, back on the Protostar, and we see how Murph is doing. Murph's now in a cocoon up on the, up in the ceiling, um, sounding better, making it his usual kind of weird noises. And I, I uh, mentioned here that maybe we'll see Murph 2.0. Gray mentions maybe he'll become a face hugger. Nice one, Gray. <laughs> Poor Murph face hugger, man. Yeah. What? Nice little Mur- Murph becomes like evil Murph. Evil Murph, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, no, I, well, well, it was funny when, when, it was we, when we saw the cocoon. The first thing that I thought about wasn't the cocoon. I was thinking like, oh, Murph's a female. and There's going to be a bunch of little Murphs running around. Yeah. You know stuff that she she's pregnant or something, and, yeah. but that wasn't it. So but now Marcia, he definitely said that. Well, I guess this is kind of cool because now that you know Pichiet is in a cocoon, like you say, what's what's Murph two mean? Is it going to be my just a bigger version of Murph? Yeah, my theory is, it is be... it's like Groot. It'll be like Alpha Groot, but Alpha okay Murph, big, strong, more like solid that could take on things. So, what's your theories? I. I have no idea. I think I would lean more towards what you're saying, but I'm wondering whether it's gonna if it's Murph's gonna look different. Uh decidedly different, yeah. Should do. But otherwise what's the point know. of going to bloody cocoon? Um so yeah, um I give this episode a eight out of ten. Grey gave get a nine. There's a couple of things he, he mentioned here at the end that you wanted to touch on about the musical score and et cetera et cetera, Grey, so I'll let you have that part. Yeah, we We've been noticing since the series began, actually, but we talk about it more now, uh, that we really love the music on the show, that it's done very, very well. It's excellent musical score in every in every way uh, during the episode. And music can really make an episode, as we discussed last week. Yeah. So I just decided I, I wanted to find out what this was about. And I know I might be butchering her name, but the, the credit goes to a, a composer, Nami, uh, N-A-M-I, Mel Lumad. Okay. That's M E L U M A D. And um, apparently, she also does the scoring or the musical scoring for Strange New Worlds, Yay. which is very interesting because I really like the music well. in Strange New World. Yeah. 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 So I'm sitting there going like, okay, that's that's starting to make a, a, a reason now. 
The other thing that what we touched on in Lower Decks is we noticed that Lower Decks had named a planet uh, Tatascori, and that is an Italian name. Me being my friends are Italian. And so I just was curious, why would they name a planet an Italian name? I'm just curious. I said it has to be some kind of you know tribute to somebody yeah so i went and looked it up and i find out that there was a there is an animation voice talent by the name of friend uh fred tatashori who has done trek character voices in the past so as i'm looking through the credits i learned how to spell boons and uh the hula all all the time mate i do the same all this stuff (laughs) you know i all of a sudden hit upon the fact that fred did voices in this episode but not only did he do uh, one voice he did a bunch of them he did dr boons he did ensign garavik he did sprock and other assorted enterprises through this whole episode so there you go what, what we were talking about before comes around and here's fred again yep full circle man full circle pretty um, talented guy though do, do all these voice all the voices oh some that you know some people i mean Voice, voice actors don't get enough credit and I think they should get more yeah. credit maybe just as much as people that do the full shebang because they're working with less tools uh, than their full acting counterparts and have to put in a convincing uh, job So, um, and usually they don't have anyone to act against so credit to this guy yeah, very good, I well, love the musical the other- notes as well the other thing for a voice or an animation voice actor is the fact that the more voices you can do, the more you stay employed, you know, and stuff. And uh, I mean, years and years ago, before this became a thing, you don't say, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you had you you had voice talents that, that would be able to just do like all the Looney Tunes. Um, oh God, now I can't remember his name. All of a sudden, uh, that did all the voices. He was the called a man of a thousand voices. He literally did hundreds of voices for all these characters it was just oh. one guy you know and, and it was Always amazing rich. and then all of a sudden ever since that time there's been like multiple multiple people able to do so many different voices which is important in, in an animation thing yes, yes but i think it's great that they can do that many voices it's like you know i'd love to do a job like that nobody have to look at my ugly bug it could just go in there and do all these voices well that's a that's a brilliant segue there great thanks for that um we'll do the usual call to arms though and finish up that uh, you know, not wanting to see ugly mugs. If you don't want to see our ugly mugs, then you always can uh, listen to us on audio platforms because we we are as a podcast as well on pretty much all the top dogs. So whatever you listen to your podcast and music on, you can search for us in the trackway there. Uh, but as usual, as well, I want to thank you for tuning in and Gray for joining me on this uh, this review adventure. Um, if you could do the usual and give us a cheeky thumbs up, thanks, Gray. Um, and uh, a subscribe if you like this kind of content. Wait, see, see, I don't need to add anything in for editing of you having to point <laughs> someone point up and down because Gray does it for me, man. He is my my special effects. That's um, right. I'm, so I'm the model. You don't have to. Use yeah, the, he's yeah, the real I thing. Can, see, I can do see, it myself. We talked about practical <laughs> effects, people, not CGI. So there's there's a perfect example. But right. yeah, no. In all seriousness, uh, we we do love comments as well in the videos. We got a lovely comment recently from someone on our Jonathan uh, Thrake's uh, interview that Gray done back in the day. Uh, he learned something from it, Gray, which was good to know, and he put a lovely comment. So we thank him for that. Uh, more comments from people about things they like or dislike or things that we could do to improve it. As long as it's impractical, we'll always take it on board because we don't pretend to be experts at this. Um, 
Grey does the Grey's uh, Green Room, which we'll be doing an episode of next weekend. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about that, and that is literally uh, Grey's Green Room um, on YouTube, the audio platform, and right, on you. Twitter. Uh, and lastly, but not least, we are um, on the gaming scene, and we do podcasts for that every week, including this evening, and that's uh, extremepcuk.co.uk. If you go to that website there, you will get the link to go to the Discord. Uh, but yeah, thank you for that, guys. Uh, until the mm. next episode, uh, have a cracking weekend and wish you all the best. Live long and prosper. See you later. Bye.